Matthew chapter 27, we're going to look at verses 1 to 31, and it's a lengthy passage again, so we will not read it all completely as we did last time, but you'll be able to follow me for the sake of getting through the text. The message is entitled, Jesus Tried and Crucified. The examination of Jesus by the religious leaders, as you know, has um, lasted all night, and Jesus has been charged with blasphemy because he plainly told them that he was the Son of God. He's been up all the day before, he's been up all night. And um, the entire trial of the Jewish leaders was illegal, according to the Sanhedrin rules, completely, from start to finish. Um, but the religious trial was only the first one to come. The second one is a civil or political trial. And each trial had three phases. On the, relig- on the religious one, you had they took them to uh, Annas first, then Caiaphas, and then the Sanhedrin. Um, and then on the civil or political side, you have Pilate, then Herod, and then back to Pilate. Three phases, each one of them. We went in depth when we went through the Gospel of John, so we won't belabor the thing. But now Jesus is taking the pilot for his civil trial or political trial in which Jesus is condemned to be crucified. That uh, and, and three movements are given to us here that unfold one after the other. Um, let me give you the three movements. First, you have Jesus is delivered to Pilate, verses 1 through 10. Secondly, you have the, Jesus is examined by Pilate in verse 11 through 23. And thirdly, you have Jesus is condemned to death by Pilate in verse 24 through 31. We begin here with Jesus is delivered to Pilate, 1 through 10. Notice in verse 1 and 2, the response of the religious rulers was to turn Jesus over to Pilate. The transition from the previous chapter, the parallel passages are Mark 15, 1, Luke 23, 1, and John 18, 28. The religious trial of Jesus was followed by this civil trial. When the morning came, all the chief priests and the elders and the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. The time early in the morning, 5 to 6 a.m., the Passover's that evening. They've got to get this thing moving. They cannot be turned down. The pressure is on them. Jesus um, here has been accused of blasphemy. The Jews uh, here as the leaders are the chief priests, the elders, they're members of the Sanhedrin. And notice the word, and who plotted against him. It goes back to chapter 26, 57 through 58. The word plotted uh, means they carried out a resolution, the petition to be brought to Pilate that he might condemn Jesus to death because capital punishment had been removed from them. And John eighteen thirty one tells us that clearly. It goes back to the prophecy of Genesis forty nine ten when the scepter, um, the scepter will be removed from them when Shiloh comes, Messiah. Prophetically. Now, in verse 2, the transfer of Jesus was to Pilate, and when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. They bound and led Jesus. He is the authority over Judea there. And the procurator, that's what it literally means, the governor of Judea under the emperor Tiberius from 26 A.D. to 36 A.D., and he resided in Caesarea of the Mediterranean. Some of you have gone to Israel with us. It's a beautiful place there. It's uh, very nice. Jerusalem is not that nice compared to uh, Caesarea of the Mediterranean. But during the feast days, he would come to reside there because of the importance of the feast days. And there could be uprisings, so they incremented the, uh, 
um, the uh, fortress with many, many Roman soldiers, and it was in the Antonius fortress that was connected to the corner of the temple area. Now, he was hated by the Jews for he had entered the temple with the Roman standards, a form of idolatry against the Jews' desire. He also robbed the temple to build a new aqueduct from the treasury. And Philo tells us that the Jews had threatened to exercise the right to report Pilate of his evil deeds, his cruelty, and his murders. So Pilate was already fearful. He's already in hot water with Rome, and, and the Jews are threatening him, and he's afraid of losing his position and his power. This is what people are always after, whether it be politicians, whether it be family members, whether it be pastors. Position and power. We just cannot handle it. We want to be number one. And we are number one. We're number one rotten people. We're sinners to the max. John 18, 31 says, Pilate didn't want anything to do with Jesus and told him to judge them according to the law, but they responded. It was not lawful for them to put to death anyone. And they knew it. Now, verse 3 through 5, the response of Judas to the betrayal of Jesus is given to us. Judas was fully aware of his sin, and he recognizes his evil, okay? Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, the word condemned there is to give judgment against his evil deed. Jesus has said, it would be better, woe to that man, it would be better he'd never be born, right? Now, Judas seemed to have repented at first reading this from his sin, as he brought back the 30 pieces of silver, in verse 30, the price of a gore slave, and, um, and he brought to the chief priests and the elders. The location is probably the very house of Caiaphas, not the temple. At this time, the word remorseful there means to be sorry, to regret the consequences. Okay? So when people make a stupid mistake, wrong decision, they cry. They're just in agony for the consequences. Because next week, they're out doing the same thing again. All right? The word repentance means a change of mind with a change of heart, turning to God. Godly repentance is recorded in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 9 and 10. This is what God does when we're born again. We repent with godly repentance. We're glad we repented. We don't regret that we repented. Because he has cleansed us and we've turned from our sin and our sinful lifestyle. And Judas, notice, went to the wrong persons for his sin. The religious leaders, his partners in crime. Wow. Notice Judas' guilty conscience was bothering him by his own words to his partners in crime here, saying, I have sinned and betrayed innocent blood. He took personal responsibility. I have sinned. Those are difficult words for people. You say, yeah, but, but you know, I'm wrong. Thanks for pointing that out. I've sinned. I've missed the mark. Wow. But it's to the wrong people, not to God. The sin in particular, by betraying innocent blood. He knew it. 
Don't give Judas the credit like many people do. Oh, he's a hero. He was just trying to push Jesus to bring in the kingdom faster. He really had good motives. No, 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 no. He didn't have good motives. Okay? That's not what the Bible teaches. His confession was to the wrong person, as I said. Man. It's all right for you to apologize and to ask people to forgive you, but you better get right where you got first. If the vertical is not good, if it's not taken care of, the horizontal, it may help you here on earth, but not after death. All right? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Put that on your refrigerator. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Innocent blood. Notice, uh, still in verse 4 there, Judas was um, betrayed now and abandoned by his partners in crime for the betrayal. And they said... um, what is that to us? You see to it. Wow. They betrayed Judas. And if they had, as if they had nothing to do with the betrayal. What is that to us? Now, every one of the, if we've lived long enough, we've heard the same words that are going to be given to Judas here. When we've been partners in crime with other people, whatever it is. But what does that matter to me? Ooh. Get out of here. Wow. They abandoned Judas to deal with this betrayal by himself. You see to it. Hmm. Judas was hit with the severity of his sin and the betrayal of Jesus. Look at verse 5. The money he received had no value at this point. Then he threw down the piece of silver in the temple and departed the word for temple is the word nows so we've moved from the house of Caiaphas now he takes this money over to the temple it means the area that includes the holy of holies the nows this means Judas went up to the priest's court to the top step and flung the money at the entrance of the holy of holies the very culprits the very Intercessors, if you will, the go-betweens, corrupt. Couldn't help themselves. How could they help others? Some things never can be returned. But even when they can be returned, it doesn't mean that it is true repentance. And the most important thing is the loss of character. Once your character is gone, you don't get it back. That's the most important, ladies and gentlemen, your character. Look at verse 5 still. The hopelessness of life took hold of him. And when, and he went and he hanged himself. This is the only time it's found in the New Testament. This is recorded only in Matthew. This is unique of Matthew, not the others. The phrase hang himself is only found one time in the Old Testament also. For Ahithophel, as he hung himself after his counsel was rejected by Absalom, um, he's a type of Judas Iscariot. You find that he hangs it on Second Samuel seventeen twenty-three. It was prophetic of the treachery of, of Judas in Psalm forty-one nine. You remember that Ahithophel was a counselor and friend of David. They took sweet counsel together, and he betrayed him. He went to Absalom's side. Why? Because Ahithophel's granddaughter was Bathsheba. 
and David caused Ahithophel to turn the other way. David's responsible for the departure of Ahithophel. How does that all work? I don't know, but you don't want to go there. Okay? Hmm. The scriptures um, give detail about Judas. Luke um, in uh, Acts one eighteen tells us that he fell headlong and he burst it open the middle and all his guts, his entrails gushed out. Is this a contradiction? No. It's further information. He must have hung himself at some high precipice or something, whether it be over the Hinnom Valley or whatever. Maybe a tree, maybe a beam, I don't know. Maybe the beam broke, the branch broke, or the rope broke, or whatever. But he went tumbling down, and he burst like a water balloon. Okay? So he gives us greater detail. In Acts one twenty five, he went to his own place. Remember, he's called the son of perdition. Only one other person is called the son of perdition, the Antichrist. Okay? More detail. Look at verse 6 through 10. The response of the religious leaders to the money returned by Judas is given to us. In verse 6 there, the religious leaders covered, recovered the money here that Judas cast into the temple, but the chief priests took the silver pieces. The word but marks the sharp contrast between Judas and the religious rulers. The man Judas hung himself, but they just picked up the silver. See, people that, listen, especially young people, okay? Understand who your friends are. As long as you have money, you have booze, you have drugs, you have chicks, you have guys, you got all kinds of friends. They're not friends. You have acquaintances. People just want to have a good time. And once you don't have the money, you don't have the drugs, you don't have the booze or whatever, you don't give them the sex, they're out of there. Your pastor's talking to you from experience. <laughs> all right? Just the way it is. They had no problem with guilt or shame about their treacherous dealing. Not caring about Judas, only using him. Ladies, you be careful. These guys give you sweet little nothings. They just want to get to you, okay? You're moved by what you feel. Men are moved by what they see. They initiate, you respond. But you make the choice. You cannot say it wasn't my fault. You make a decision. The guy makes his, and God will deal with him, okay? There's no innocent party, but you are responsible for your own purity. You're the sentinel of your own purity, okay? No one else. So make sure you're careful on your, the decisions that you make. Very, very important. At least Judas was so, he couldn't handle it. His conscience was just killing him. These guys is like water off a duck's back. <laughs> get out of here. Doesn't matter. Ooh, when you get to that stage, Judas is, is more sensitive to his sin than these guys. The clever reasoning by the religious leaders to circumvent the law was business as usual. There, uh, he says, in it is not lawful for us to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. Interesting, they quoted Deuteronomy 23.18, not as a literal quote, but in principle. The context of Deuteronomy 23.18 is that you could not take money from a whore or a prostitute that she gained through giving somebody sex or a dog a homosexual male that would receive money and give it to God. 
That's the context. In principle, anything that's evil, anything that is stolen, anything that doesn't belong to you, anything that's not upright and decent and moral and ethical, don't corrupt God's offering. That's what they're saying. But what high hypocrisy of these guys, huh? The treasury was the place of free will gifts. They didn't want to contaminate it with blood money. The contrast with innocent blood of Jesus. The highest of hypocrisy. Now, do you think this was just in the days of Jesus? If you do, you're smoking something. People in ministry are still the same. Just look how people live, how they travel, all those things. Very important. Okay? In verse 7, the religious leaders turned their um, murderous deed into an act of mercy and attempt to escape their guilt to appear looking good. And they consulted together and they brought with them, um, they bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers. What a benevolent people. The stranger in the case, Jewish strangers, not Gentiles. The Jews would not bury Gentiles, okay? The location had to be a pure ground. Some people try to tie Jeremiah, and we'll look into that a little further later, with the Valley of Hinnom. Well, the Valley of Hinnom was the place of the dump site and cadavers and all that. It's not, it's not what it's talking about. Two different prophecies. Look at verse 8. Um, the deed of the religious leaders was recognized publicly. It says, therefore, the, the, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. So when Matthew is writing, it, it's a very notable deed that they did. Uh, this is mentioned by Peter in the day of Pentecost and calls it by his own language, a seldoma, that is a field of blood in Acts one nineteen. So it was, a, it was a common place. Everybody knew about it. This made them look good, kind, spiritual, but they're rats. Okay. The only difference between rats is the length of their tail. Okay? Rats are rats. This did not allow them to escape their guilt. They were just deceiving themselves. People love to deceive themselves. I think of so many people on, on Facebook and stuff like that. They, they've got their own live show every day. They, they think they, they, they're really stars. They've got an audience. You don't know these people. They don't know you. It's amazing. Look at verse 9 and 10. The um, entire event was prophesied in the scriptures. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the value of him who was pierced, whom they of the children of Israel pierced, and gave them to the potter's field as the Lord directed me. Now this is attributed to Jeremiah as the fulfillment of prophecy by Matthew. Yet the prophecy is found in Zechariah 11.13. Now. Let me read you the prophecy of Matthew 11, of Zechariah 11.13. And the Lord said to me, throw it to the potters, that princely price they set on me. So I took the 30 pieces of silver and threw them into the house of the Lord for the potters. Now, there's been attempts to say that Matthew is alluding to Jeremiah in Jeremiah 18 and chapter 19. But it's a stretch 
even though Jeremiah does speak about a field and the potter's house, the context is completely foreign. It's incompatible. For the burial there in Jeremiah 18 and 19 is Tophet, the valley of Hinnom. They wouldn't bury Jews there. Jeremiah's time is a curse. They're going into judgment. Okay? Now, Adam Clark and Lightfoot offer a much better explanation for the reference of Jeremiah. And the reason I like it is because it seeks out the historical context of it. Because what many pastors do at this point, they say, well, you know, he's, he's probably alluding to Jeremiah, but it's really Zechariah. Well, we're, 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 we're doing what other people do, and we don't accept their explanation of subjectivism, yet we try to use it. No, no, no. He says, Zechariah, by the context, he mentions Jeremiah. We can't play games with it, okay? Then others say, well, you know, the, the, this is probably one of those times where there was a scribal error. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is the Bible infallible? Is it errant or it isn't? Or just when you want it to? I never say that because that means that then the non-believer can say, well, how do you know what you believe is right if this is wrong, right? Now be careful. I'll come back and bite you. Adam Clark and Lightfoot say this. And they make a reference by quoting Baba Bathra and Rabbi David Kamish in the preface to the prophet Jeremiah. And it's the way things were done back then. And it's this. He says, they explain that we know that the Jews divided the Old Testament, and I've taught you this many, many times, into three divisions. We have different divisions. They have um, the law, the writings, and the prophets, okay? Those three. Now, they pointed out that the third division of the prophets began and still begins with Jeremiah, and that any passage that was cited from the third division, the prophets, was attributed to Jeremiah because he was the head of the prophets. You understand? I find this a more adequate biblical explanation, keeping the scripture intact. Am I clear on this? Okay? You quote Zechariah, he's in that third division, the prophets. All right? No problem. If we're wrong, we'll find out when we get to heaven. But I'm not bringing doubt to the scriptures. Not because I'm trying to be clever. But I'm searching not to do my homework to see what has been the case through history and what were the Jews and how did they handle the scriptures. Because there's the scriptures, they're Jewish. There's no New Testament at this point. He's pointing back to the old. All right? Now, I believe this is the correct one. You know, it's, um, it's tragic that Benedict Arnold, incredible man that he was and everything else and military career and all that, that the only thing that he's remembered for is his betrayal of the United States by handing West Point, uh, his attempt to hand over West Point in 1780 to the enemy, England. Nothing is remembered. People don't say, oh, yeah, Judas, yeah, he went out with the 12 and he laid hands on people and he, he, they were healed and he preached the gospel. Mm -mm. Judas, traitor. That's all he's remembered for. Everything else gets wiped out, ladies and gentlemen. 
Religious people are not um, concerned with biblical truth about Jesus. They're collectors of knowledge. They are seekers of admiration of others. And they are very protective of uh, power and position. Paul the Apostle in Colossians 2.8 says, uh, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy, phileo sophia, the love of wisdom, and empty deceit according to the traditions of men, according to the basic principles of the world, the ABCs, and not according to Christ. Underline that. You have to judge everything by the word of God. As a parent, as a Christian, as a, a faithful partner in your marriage, the word of God. What is truth? Everything gets run by it. Okay? We have the same standard. We have the same Bible. We have the same God, the same mind, the same Holy Spirit, the same obligation. God made it easy for us. The potential for Judas-like people is due to their high privilege being inside the church. Judas Iscariot are not outside, they're inside. Always keep that in mind. They are close to leadership, they are close and used in ministry, they are known by people, and they are self-seeking in motive. Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, 18 through 20, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage a good warfare, having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith and have made suffered shipwreck, of whom are Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan, that they may not learn to blaspheme. Now listen to me carefully. You do not hand over non-believers to Satan. They already belong to him. You hand over believers who have made shipwreck of the faith, departed from the Lord, that their spirits may be saved and not perish, that they might repent. Are we clear on this? Paul makes this clear with the Corinthians also. Okay? It's a real simple observation. All right? Don't say these guys are non-believers. Out of context. In fact, he says... And their message will spread like a cancer. Hymenius and Philetus are of this sort. They have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. And they overthrow, listen, the faith of some, the some believers overthrow. Not might overthrow, they overthrow. Second Timothy 2, 17 and 18. So, if you don't believe someone can walk away, you're a Calvinist. It's real simple. Jesus says in John 15, unless you abide in me, I'll cast you into the fire. He's talking to the dirty dozen. <laughs> That's the audience. Every one of them that night, is it I? Is it I? Is it I? They all knew they had the potential to betray Jesus. You think you don't? You must be smoking something. Absolutely. In me, there's not one good thing. Put that on your refrigerator too. Aren't you glad you came to the church this morning? There are many that um, speak very freely concerning suicide from the pulpit today. And since I've been a Christian, when I first became a Christian, we didn't know we're young, we're looking, we're looking to people who are in authority and the ones who have been around for a long time. So, you know, you're trying to figure things out. But there are only five instances of suicide in the Bible. We have mentioned already two, Ahithophel and Judas. 
The other three are Saul, his armor bearer, and a Jewish king. All five are not presented in a good light. Um, in fact, the conditions of their lives is very bad. I would not want to be included in their company. I would not want to use them as a scriptural evidence for allowing Christians to take their lives. In fact, suicide is a pagan practice, not a Christian practice. If you are lost and dead and trapped in sins and you come to the Lord and you have hope of eternal life, why are you taking your life? Your body is the temple of God. No murder shall enter the kingdom of God, Exodus 20, verse 13, and many other places. You have no right to take your life. Even if you're in the hospital, in a vegetative condition, your body is the temple of God. You're here as a witness. He will remove your last breath. Are we clear on this? God doesn't make mistakes. All right? It's a pagan practice. The Greeks thought that you were in prison in this body. You're never a prisoner in your body. This is the temple of God. You worship God in body and spirit and in truth. Be careful of that. He who is often reproved and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed. And that without remedy, Proverbs 29.1. Be careful what you say is biblical. Five examples, all of them. Not good. You're going to give permission for Christians to take their life and say that God's going to honor that? You take your life, you're a murderer. If I'm wrong, we'll find out when we get up there. But I would much other err on my side than the other side. Especially today. Because of the despair that's going on in the world. Christians of the past, they got fried at the stake. On fire. Didn't take their life. The Christians that were thrown to the lions, they, they could have taken their life that night. They didn't. Because our life has hope. Our lives are not hopeless. Are we clear on this? Jesus was delivered to Pilate. Notice, secondly, comes the second movement. Jesus is examined by Pilate 11 through 23. Um, the initial charge against uh, Jesus before Pilate here, um, the examination of Jesus by Pilate here in 11 through 12, the formal charge was that... the that of a rival king. Now Jesus stood before the governor. And the governor asked him saying. Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus said to him. It is as you say. So he asked him. Jesus affirms. Yes. King of the Jews. Verse 11. 29. 37. 42. Matthew is writing to the Jews. King of the Jews. Over his head. King of the Jews. He came to his own, his own received him not. John 1, 17. There's one coming in his own name, him you will receive, Antichrist. Wow. Look at 12, the response of Jesus to the charges. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. This is the second time Jesus says absolutely nothing. First one in Matthew 26, 63. A sign of contempt against the false accusations. Verse 13 and 14, the astonishment of Pilate. At the non-response of Jesus here, Pilate could not believe Jesus was not defending himself. 
Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear what, how many things they testify against you? They accused Jesus of being one who perverted the nation, forbade to pay taxes, and saying he is a king. That's what they accused him of. Jesus is silent as a lamp to the slaughter. Read Isaiah 53, 7 and the whole 55, Isaiah 53. This is all about Jesus here. Jesus asked Pilate, are you saying this of yourself or did others tell you this about me? John 18, 34. Now it's important that you say, I believe Jesus is the Son of God because God has illuminated you. You've been saved. And it's not just information someone has told you about Jesus. If it's just information, you're not saved. If it's a confession from your heart, then you're saved. There's a big difference. Keep that in mind, parents, for your children. Okay? When someone's a Christian, they're not going to have to tell you. You're going to see it. You're going to hear it. In every level. If there's a question, they're probably not Christians. Or they're awfully backslidden. One of the two. Look at 14. Jesus remained silent. But he answered him not a word so that the governor marveled greatly. The atmosphere is tense here right now. Pilate's freaking out. The Jews, the crowd, they got to get him on that cross. Passover's coming. Greatly marvel means wonder and admiration exceedingly. Jesus was sent to Herod, as you know, but Jesus answered him not a word, and he was sent back to Pilate in Luke 23, 6 through 12. John tells us, Pilate said, do you not know that I have the power to crucify you? In John 19, 10, 11. But Jesus said, you have no power, so because you're my father. Listen, Jesus was not on trial here. Pilate was. If you don't know Jesus Christ right now, somewhere out there in the world, France, Germany, Mexico, Tonga, wherever you are, or here over the internet. If you don't know Jesus Christ, this is your trial. You're going to have two choices, just like Pilate did. One will damn you. The other one will guarantee you eternal life. But you're going to be able to choose one of the two. Look at verse 15 through 23, the clever strategy of Pilate regarding Jesus. Uh, The people were given two choices by Pilate. Pilate attempted to avoid trying Jesus. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wish. Verse 15. The Romans would appear very merciful here. Uh, Mark 15, 6, Luke 23, 17, and John 18, 38 tells us. And the crowds could play part of this benevolent act. It includes them. You know, it's kind of like, you know, strange bedfellows here. But Mark implies that the people suggested it, not Pilate in Mark 5, 6 through 8, which is an interesting twist. The criminal considered here in 16, and at that time they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Barabbas means son of the father. Um, some commentaries you read will say his name was Jesus too. There's no evidence of that. A lot of people be careful. They will spiritualize, allegorize, or get information that's not really credible. Be careful. They try to push the scriptures and be real crafty and, and, and real creative, and it's not biblical. Um, Barabbas was a notorious, infamous, well-recognized man for his evil. 
In fact, Luke and John call him a robber, an insurrectionist, and a murderer in Luke 23, 19, and John 18, 40. He's a bad dude. Some say he was a zealot. Could be. We don't know. Um, Pilate announced the two choices. Listen carefully in verse 17. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? The Son of the Father or Christ, Christos, the Messiah, the Son of God. That's the choice, ladies and gentlemen. One of two. Pilate fully understood the motive of the Jews, we're told here. The accusations against Jesus in verse 18, for he knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Envy is that I hate you, but for what you have, I want to have it. Jealousy is because you have it. (laughs) Read the Proverbs on envy and jealousy. Ooh, they are insatiable whips. They will destroy you. Just have your wife wear some new shoes or a new dress and take her out to dinner. And you watch her face if another woman walks in with that dress or with those shoes. Dinner is over. (laughs) Women dress for women, not for men. Okay? Pilate fully understood their motives. Jesus constantly exposed their evil and hypocrisy. Jesus was everything they were not. Keep this in mind, young people. Those of you who are sexually pure, those of you who have come to Christ, even though you have blown it, you're godly. And when you're godly, you become a target. And people will envy you because they're not what you are. Okay? They want them. You're everything they're not. You're everything they're not. And they will hate you. They will love you. Jesus said they hated me first. Then they're going to hate you. Okay? It's just real simple. Because you as a light make darkness uncomfortable. When you're with your friends at party, lay around and do all kinds of stuff, you make them uncomfortable. But they're coy. They will appear to be your friends because they want to suck you into that arena. And if you get too close to fire, ow, you're going to get burned sooner or later. Okay? Look at 19 and 20. The governor, Pilate, was given two choices regarding Jesus. So it's flipped around. Pilate first uh, was warned by his wife regarding Jesus. While he was sitting in the judgment seat, which is the Bema seat, and that. It's kind of a parallel to our reward. His wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with this. Listen, just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. While he's sitting on there, tradition says her name was Claudia Procula. Whether it was or not makes no difference. It's his wife. The message is uh, genuine. And she told Pilate, have nothing to do with this just man. Wow. He had just declared that Jesus was just man and innocent too. Okay? By his own words. So, Pilate is getting check after check after check. Okay? You get check after check after check. You have to be careful of those checks. Don't cash them. She had suffered many things because of Jesus. Very specific in 19. This had to be from God. 
Had to be from God. I hear some pastors, they say, well, this has to be demonic. Are you kidding me? Didn't God talk to Nebuchadnezzar? To Pharaoh? You think God talks to Gorbachev? Of course he does. To Putin? This guy in China? God does what he wills, ladies and gentlemen. He's in heaven. He does what he wills. and no one can say, hey, what are you doing? God's mercy. Pilate had many, many opportunities to do what he knew he should have done. He did not do it. Pilate's second choice was pressure by the people to listen to that. Verse 20. But the chief priests and elders persuaded multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. Mark tells us that they stirred them up, just aroused them in Mark 15, 11. You've got powerful forces here. Demonic. The bad influence of the Jewish leaders, the chief priests and the elders, moved the people with their poisoned words. They convinced the people to choose the release of Barabbas and put Jesus to death. So, the persuader has his responsibility before God, and the one who allows himself to be persuaded has theirs. Both have responsibility and accountability. Are we clear on this? Okay? Both sides. They convinced the people to choose and release Barabbas. They made a decision. It's progressive and if you don't draw that line, you will step over that line. In 21 to 23, the governor of Pilate repeated the two choices of the people again. Pilate believed the people would choose Jesus. Listen, the governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release you? They said, Barabbas! Oh, shoot, what do I do now? You, you think you, you're into some stuff? You think you got it wired? You got all in control? Be careful. I'm sure he was shocked. In 22, Pilate asked for the advice of the people. It gets worse. Now the governor, the one in charge, sitting in the seat of authority, asked for the people to help him out. Kind of sounds like a politician, huh? Bunch of morons. Pilate asked for the advice of the people. Pilate said to them, what then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, let him be crucified. Not what he wanted to hear. But he asked him. Now his head's on the plate. Mark has king of the Jews in Mark fifteen twelve. This was not what Pilate expected. His plan backfired. Been there? Hmm. Pilate desired to release him three times. Luke 23, verse 20 and 22. Man. Pilate made the wrong choice, being reluctant to condemn Jesus here. Then the governor said, why? What evil has he done? That, and then they cried out all the more, saying, let him be crucified. Verse 23. So Pilate declared the innocence of Jesus. What evil has he done? What good for nothing, literally? Kind of using what the phrase I use. And the people would, would not be dissuaded. Pilate knew that it was too late. It, it, it was done. He was in hot water with Rome now. They'll accuse him. 
if he goes against them. The um, Chinese character for crises means two things, danger and opportunity. The gospel is the same. Danger if you reject it. Opportunity if you accept it. It's up to you. Can't blame anybody. Every person who hears the gospel has to examine the facts about Jesus. Whether he, when he says he's God, he's man, he's 100% God, 100% man, that he's the promised Messiah, that he's the king of the Jews. And everything else is said about him. You have to make a decision, an evaluation. Is this true or is he a liar? Only two options. Multiple choice, real simple. In John 18, 33 and 34, it says, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking this of yourself? Or did others tell you this concerning me? I know we're given this to you. I'm doing it purposely. What you say about Jesus is because you, you, you have information or because you know him. One of the two. Hopefully you know him. Every person can be a cl as clever as they want regarding the facts about Jesus. But in reality, they are the ones on trial, not Jesus, even as Pilate. If they really see themselves as sinners before God, they truly see that if they call on the name of the Lord, they can have their sins forgiven. If they will depend and yield to the Spirit of God, if they will examine the facts and agree with God, then God will forgive them. God will save them. But if they go the other way, then God can do nothing about it. They've condemned themselves by rejecting his word. In fact, in John 18, 37, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you the king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my words. Jesus was examined by Pilate. The third movement is 24 to 31. and 24 to 26, Notice here now Jesus condemned to death by Pilate. The handing over of Jesus to the people by Pilate comes first, 24 through 26. Pilate, like the religious leaders, attempted to wipe away his guilt. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that the tumult was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this, listen, just person. You see to it. Pilate caved in to the people and responded the very same words the priest gave the Judas Iscariot. You see to it. Whoa. Pilate was washing his hands as if that absolved them all, but it wasn't. It condemned him. Washing was one way to relieve yourself of that um, in the pagan practice, even though you're a liar. But in the Jewish law, in Deuteronomy 21, 1 through 10, is when they were found a cadaver near a city. They would grab the closest cities, grab the elders. They would slay a red heifer, and the ashes would atone for that life. And they would all confess, we know nothing about this man. They would wash their hands. Okay? He thinks he's doing it here. He thinks it's going to help him. It's not. He was not innocent of the blood of Jesus. His own words called him the just person. 
Pilate handed over Roman justice to the mob. It says, you see to it again condemning himself rather than justifying himself. Look at 25. The people took full responsibility for their own rash decision. And all the people answered and said, his blood be on us and on our children. They had no idea of the cost and the implications here. In 70 AD, Titus would destroy the city, the temple, and the people and scatter them. They would not have a homeland for 2,000 years. Wow. The apostles were delivered from prison, as you know, from the angels. They were preaching. Then they're back in the temple. And they're saying, did we not strictly command you to teach, not to teach in his name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with his doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. Acts 520. No, no, no. You said you were willing to take it on you. It's interesting how we want to blame somebody else. Mm -mm. It may work down here for you. Doesn't work up there at all. Look at 26. Pilate followed through with his decision. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered Then the soldiers, the governor, took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole garrison around him to be crucified. So Jesus was scourged. Um, Must have taken place outside the praetorium before Pilate and and the Jews, as uh, John gives us. Uh, The flogging was a cat of nine tails with leather thongs with um, bone and metal and glass. And they would strap, they would hit over the shoulders, 13, 13, and 13 over that. That was 39, that's mercy, 40's judgment. And uh, ligaments, tissue, lungs would be ripped open. Most people would die under this. That's why Jesus couldn't carry the cross. They had to get somebody. We'll see that tonight. Um, Isaiah 52, 13 through 14 says, His visage, his face was so marred, more than any man, and the forms more than the sons of man. You couldn't recognize Jesus as a man. You didn't say, who is that? They said, what is that? He did that for you, for me. Hmm, he became sin for us. The crime of Pilate was he condemned an innocent man to death, the Son of God. They released Barabbas and scourged Jesus to be crucified. Uh, Isaiah uh, 50 verse 6 says, I gave my back to those who struck me, I my cheeks to those who plucked out my beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Spitting is the most despicable thing for and towards anybody anywhere in the world. It has a kind of a bad thing here, but not like the rest of the world. <laughs> you spit somebody, it's, a, it's the lowest, it's a gutter. Notice 27 through 30, the handling of Jesus over to the soldiers at the praetorium. Um, the location of the scourging is given in 27, and the transfer of Jesus is then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium. The praetorium is the headquarters of the Roman uh, camp. The governor, um, the Antonius Fortress, is the, the place where he was at. The handing over of Jesus as they gathered the whole garrison around him. Um, Paul had converted many of these elite praetorium guards in Philippians 1.13, he says. And the entire garrison encircled Jesus, a cohort of about 600 men, one-tenth of a legion. These are hardened soldiers, vicious. I mean, Roman soldiers were feared. They weren't wimps. Um, the treatment of Jesus is in mockery in verse 28 to 31. The soldiers began to, by
by humiliating Jesus. They stripped Jesus and put a scarlet robe on him and a short military cloak to mock his claim of royalty. The soldiers then ridiculed Jesus with indifference when they had twisted the corner, the crown of thorns they put on his head and they, the reed in his right hand and they bowed their knee before him and mocked him saying, Hail, King of the Jews. The crown of thorns, interesting, ridiculing him. Well, we know that the thorns came from the curse without knowing that they were actually crowning here the, um, the king, the creator of the world as he took the curse upon his head that one day he would redeem both man and creation. The only one that can do that. Genesis three seventeen through 18. Unaware of this. Now, they placed the reed in his hand, the scepter of a king, and they bowed their knee all in mockery. They, they, they were just ridiculing. They struck Jesus with the hand. John nineteen three says, Who hit you? They confessed a false honor and allegiance, ridiculing Jesus, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. A mock allegiance, ridiculing him. Then notice in 30, the soldiers disdained Jesus. Then they spat on him. They took the reed and struck him on the head by spitting. Jesus was shown, they were showing Jesus disdain, the beating of him. They showed his hatred. And the soldiers, soldiers here shamed Jesus when they had mocked him. They took the robe off him and put on his clothes on him and led him away to be crucified. And when they crucify you, they crucify you completely naked to humiliate and shame you before all. Amazing. Paul epitomizes this point. Acts 26.10. He says, This I also did in Jerusalem, Paul says, and many of the saints I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Jesus would forgive any of the soldiers, Pilate, his wife, anybody who repented. That's the condition. That's the condition. Paul says, I did all these things in ignorance, and God was grateful to him. The majority of the world will perish eternally because... Um, they reject the gospel. The majority of the world will perish according to the words of Jesus. John 3, 16, 1 John 2, 2. God died for the world. Propitiation. Jesus will forgive any sin whether there's true repentance. 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. God's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And 2 Peter 3, 9. And listen to the words of Jesus. Luke 13, 23 and 24. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive. An athletic term, agonized to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter in and will not be able. In other gospel, he says, few. Few. Majority is always wrong. Biblically. Those who reject Jesus will not and not repent declare clearly that they believe Jesus deserves to be hung on the cross, like Pilate. If they don't accept Jesus as to who he said he is, they're rejecting, they're one with Pilate. Jesus said, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters, Matthew twelve thirty. 
He who loves father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves daughter or son more than me is not worthy of me. Matthew ten thirty seven. What does that mean? Does that mean you have to hate your parents and all your loved ones? No, he says the only way you can really love them is to love me first so you can love them right. And if you don't love me first, they're idols to you. Wow. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Bottom line, Matthew 16, 24. You're for me or against me? Easy choices. Only two. But which one will you take? It may not seem to you important what side of the flight paper the flight chooses. But to the fly, it's very important. One will allow him to fly again. The other one, kill him. Wow. Jesus was condemned to death by Pilate. What do you say about Jesus? It's your trial. Incredible passage. The three movements here of the trial and damnation of Jesus to the cross. Jesus is delivered to Pilate, Jesus is examined by Pilate, and Jesus is condemned to death by Pilate. What do you say about Jesus? Does he belong on the cross? Is he guilty? Or was he innocent? The son of the living God. I hope you make the right choice. Father, thank you for your grace and love, your goodness. We love you. We thank you. We pray for all those who are listening, Lord, in the world and here and over the internet, whatever it is. That they would call on your name and be saved. That you may forgive them, Lord. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God has brought you here to hear the gospel. You've heard the gospel. Now you must make a choice. Is Jesus the Son of God who died for your sin. And the one who is able to forgive you of everything you've ever done. And make you a child of God. Or is he a liar? Deserving of the cross. I pray you. By the spirit of God. Who has allowed you to understand. If you've heard the gospel. He has allowed you to understand by illumination. But he will not choose for you. This choice is all yours. Because the only motivation that. Will move you to choose for Jesus. Is that he died for you because he loves you. So your response is to his love. He initiates, you respond. So if you want to accept Jesus, this is your prayer to him right now, wherever you might be. He's going to save you. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. Lord, baptize me with the Holy Spirit. Give me a new heart. I accept you as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.